Hello and welcome to another episode of the National Kidney Foundation Life as a Nephrologist podcast. I'm your host, Natasha Dave, and I'm a nephrologist and medical director of Strive Health. For today's episode, we're chatting with the team behind the new NKF patient portal called the Patient Network. This is the first nationwide registry for patients at all stages of kidney disease. The overall goal with this network is to improve the lives of kidney disease patients through research, clinical care, drug development, and support health policy decisions. We are joined today by Dr. Carrie Willis, who's the National Kidney Foundation Chief Scientific Officer and Project Lead, Dr. Leslie Inker, a nephrologist at Tufts Medical Center and the chair of the Patient Network Steering Committee, Dr. Alexander Chang, the co-director of the Kidney Health Research Institute at Geisinger and the NKF Patient Network PI for the Geisinger site, and our two patient stakeholders on the Patient Network Advisory Committee, Carrie Maxwell and Curtis Warfield. We've got a full house today. Thank you all so much for joining me. Let's get started with some introductions. Dr. Willis, please tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved with the Patient Network. Hi. Um, well, as Natasha said, I'm the Chief Scientific Officer at the National Kidney Foundation. Um, I've been with NKF for 22 years, so I've seen a lot of change in Wow. Yeah, in the world of <laughs> kidney disease. And one of my long-term goals is to get more clinical trials of new therapies into nephrology. Um, if, if you look at the, the medical specialties and the numbers of trials per year, we're always dead last. And that just makes no sense considering, you know, the prevalence of kidney disease and, you know, and the severe consequences of having kidney disease. So, Every year when I go to the ASN meeting, um, I head straight for the clinical trial sessions. It's just like, you know, it, that, that the suspense. But uh, <laughs> um, so back in 2014, it was a rather disappointing year for trials. So um, there were a couple of large trials that had negative results, and another one that I had been really excited about had been abandoned because they couldn't complete enrollment. So I was sitting with one of my friends who is a very senior nephrologist, and I said, why don't we have a trial-ready registry of people with chronic kidney disease? And he said, well, why doesn't the NKF start one? So, <laughs> and I looked, and here we are. Yeah, exactly. So I went back to the office, uh, started investigating, and uh, basically it just kind of grew from there. Wonderful! Wow. Well, thanks so much for telling us a little bit about yourself. Let's move on to Dr. Inker. I'm Leslie Inker. I'm a nephrologist at uh, Tufts Medical Center in Boston. I am the medical director over at the Kidney and Blood Pressure Center, which is our outpatient clinic for. Uh, kid, patients with kidney disease and high blood pressure. I do a lot of research and my research has always focused on earlier stages of kidney disease and preventing progression. Like Carrie, I've been focused in some part on clinical trials and developing endpoints for trials that can facilitate the conduct of trials. But it was clear as uh, Carrie says that one of the challenges is really recruitment. And often it was done in the context of individual physicians reaching out to their patients, whereas we were missing the community aspect for this. So when Carrie spoke to me about it, it really resonated because I understood that to 
one of the key challenges of kidney disease trials is recruitment, and we need to be in the community, not just in our own offices, not doctor-centric, but patient community-centric. The other thing that Carrie didn't mention is that in our initial conversation about this, we were also talking about how kidney disease and education and patient activation is really at the core of preventing progression and also just helping patients lead, live in the context of their disease. And actually in reflecting back, I realized that one of the reasons I got into nephrology was that I liked the chronic nature of the disease. You could develop relationships with patients and really help them live in the context of, disease, of their disease. And to me, two of the critical aspects of that are a community and education, both of which are really fundamental to the patient network. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here. Uh, Dr. Chang, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and how you became involved with the patient network? Uh, yeah, my name is uh, Dr. Alex Chang. I'm a nephrologist and clinical researcher at Geisinger Health in central Pennsylvania. Um, I am also the co-director of the Kidney Health Research Institute. Um, a lot of my research, similar to, to Dr. Inker, uh, really focuses on early kidney disease and how we can prevent pro progression of kidney disease. Um, you know, as uh, a nephrologist, um, I, you know, I, I'm always dismayed when I see patients crashing into dialysis and having not received preventative care or, you know, misdiagnoses that, that might have uh, changed the trajectory of their disease course a lot earlier. So I think, you know, the, the, the efforts of uh, the National Kidney Foundation to establish this patient network are really, really huge here, I think. And, you know, the opportunity to try to connect patients and get some patient reported data and offer um, opportunities to participate into clinical trials is, is a really uh, wonderful uh, step in the right direction. So really excited about this opportunity. Uh, Geisinger Health itself, you know, we cover uh, a large swath of uh, central and northeast Pennsylvania. And, you know, one of the nice things about uh, working where I do is that we have a uh, a nice, a, a very good way to track, uh, to contact our patients and track uh, sort of more population health outcomes of our whole clinical population. So uh, having this opportunity to try to get patients engaged into the network is is really exciting. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Um, we're going to move on to introducing our wonderful two patient advocates, and you guys happen to be patients yourselves. Um, Curtis, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, I'm Curtis Warfield. I am a kidney patient. In 2012, I was uh, diagnosed with FSGS at stage three and uh, did uh, peritoneal dialysis starting in 2014. My daughter wasn't happy with the way things were going. So uh, once I qualified for the transplant list, she decided to go and be tested to be a living donor. Uh, when things did not uh, work out in that direction, uh, her college sorority sister, who she was sharing a house with at the time, decided to step up and turned out to be a perfect match. So since wow. that time, uh, I wanted to give forward to what was given to me 
and also be a patient voice for those who didn't have a voice. So it's good to be here. Thanks so much for joining us. And last but certainly not least, Carrie, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Good morning. I'm Carrie Maxwell. I live in central Pennsylvania, and um, I have a hereditary condition called polycystic kidney disease. So I am currently in stage four pre-dialysis. Like Dr. Chang was mentioning, um, members of my family uh, were diagnosed when it was too late. So it became really important to me to advocate for early detection and as well as um, scientific advancement um, in kidney disease and research. I work full-time. I'm a wife, mom of three busy girls. Um, I work in tech, so I'm naturally curious about technological advances wherever they can be applied. And so this uh, serving on this registry committee just seemed like a really good fit for me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we definitely have an impressive group here. Thank you all uh, for taking the time out of your busy schedules um, to join me. I want to get started with Drs. Willis and Inker. Tell me a little bit about how this process started. I understand that the network has taken about five years to develop. Well, yeah, about that. Well, as I started to say, I mean, honestly, you know, one of the very early steps when we decided to go forward with this was uh, I reached out to Dr. Inker and asked if she would join me because one of the things that um, I recognized early on was that even though sort of the, the forward facing objective really was to engage with patients, but that we were going to need a uh, more information about their medical conditions than than most patients actually know. Um, We started looking for some kind of a platform where we could get input directly from patients, but also to access their electronic health records. So there there are a lot of different sort of solutions out there. And we actually spent... Uh, Leslie, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we spent a couple of years sort of, you know, interviewing some of them are companies and some of them are, you know, based at academic centers um, and just trying to figure out what was the best fit, not just for what we were initially trying to do. How did we see the platform evolving and over time becoming more interactive and, you know, using other devices and things like that? Yes, I, you know, I, I uh, agree completely with Carrie. It took us a, a while to find the right uh, platform. The time when we started looking at this, there were two kinds of registries, one that came from electronic data and didn't have the patient voice, and another type that had completely the patient voice but had no data. And kidney disease is very silent. So we heard from Curtis and Carrie about their perspective, and that is But their background to that is all the information of their estimated GFR from creatinine or their proteinuria that may have been clues even before they were aware, even their doctors were aware of the disease. And that can really give us a lot of information as we try and do better about early detection and treatments. So when I came on to the scene, I said, can we figure out how to combine the patient voice and like electronic record? And we actually asked this question at a really fortunate time when the technology was beginning to be able to do this. 
Uh, and I think our journey started looking at vendors just before that. And so we came up with three, three vendors and presented them to our first sci uh, scientific advisory board meeting, which was, I, I actually put a timeline together for a research conference I presented to our division. So I, I looked it all up and it was February 15, 2018. But we knew at that time that actually these three were not good enough and we needed to go back to the drawing board and find some another one. Um, and, and just at that, just around that time, we identified Pulse InfoFrame, who subsequently became our vendor, who had the development of the technology that allowed the combination of combining the electronic medical data with patient voice. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, I heard the network is also expanding out to other countries outside of the United States. Why is it important to expand internationally? So... As with everything about the network, uh, we have a number of objectives, but um, I think that first and foremost was that most clinical trials now are global. So one of the things that we hope we'll be, be able to do actually is um, enroll patients who've completed clinical trials and, you know, be able to do some, you know, sort of pharmacovigilance um, to see what happens over time, you know, when they're on these new therapies. But one of the things that I think is going to be really exciting about it is that, that people's attitudes toward their health and medical care are very, very different around the world. And by having access to patients in many different countries, um, we may learn things about, um, oh, I don't know, you know, comorbid conditions or drug interactions, but also about um, how people's knowledge and their attitudes and behavior affect the progression of their disease. Yeah, I, I think that it, what unites us as patients and physicians is more common than what divides us. Uh, we actually have a, a fellow who's from Brazil and actually have been a nephrologist there. And it is amazing to hear her stories and her reactions to things that we see here that you think may be particular to the U.S. healthcare system and how we relate to other specialties or other issues, and it's very similar. And so I think that we can learn more together and help. And we are a global world, and so our our treatments and what we learn about how to educate patients or activate communities, this is, these are global issues that we can be stronger together. Yeah, absolutely. That's, um, that's wonderful. Um, I'm curious to hear from Dr. Chang. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about the educational content on this platform and what is your favorite part of the patient network? Uh, yes. Yeah, so one of my interests is nutrition. And I think that the there's a lot of difficulties in providing good nutritional advice to patients with kidney disease. Um, you know, one of the big challenges is that the internet is sort of a wild west of uh, medical and nutritional information. And you can kind of get lots of different, uh, you know, advice about this or that. So I think having um, a trusted source like the National Kidney Foundation, which has many excellent, uh, very nuanced uh, nutritional uh, guides and inf informational um, pages uh, onto the, the NKF patient network is a, a real strength. Um, you know, for instance, uh, the type of diet you might 
suggest to somebody who has early kidney disease is going to be dramatically different than somebody with, you know, very advanced kidney disease who might be struggling with hyperkalemia. So I think, you know, having that uh, more nuanced approach and then being able to integrate um, electronic health record or patient reported data on their on their actual kidney level uh, is is going to be very valuable in, in sort of guiding them to the right uh, educational materials. Um, I think the other, you know, big thing right now, of course, is, you know, COVID-19 and the NKF has done a, a great job in trying to uh, really provide facts on vaccination and, and kidney patients and, and what it means to uh, kidney and transplant patients. So having, you know, the, these types of information sources that can be readily updated uh, as as the news comes and, and new studies are published, you know, very quickly and, and the science changes rapidly is, is, is a big strength. Yeah, absolutely. Um, during your introduction, uh, you mentioned the health system, Geisinger. Can you tell me what's the great, what is the greatest benefit of joining a network like the patient network for a health system? Yeah. So again, I think you have to think about it from the the patient's perspective. So, um, you know, a lot of patients don't ever have an opportunity to participate in research or clinical trials and not necessarily because they're not interested. It's, you know, mostly there's not necessarily a, a research opportunity available to, to the patient. So I think the, the, the biggest opportunity is connecting the dots and, and uh, you know, providing patients into this network and then being able to know if there's ever some kind of a research opportunity that might apply to the patient and then also having the ability to provide input, uh, you know, via these uh, surveys that will be uh, sent out to patients um, and, and, you know, provide feedback onto the patient network itself. I think, uh, you know, really engaging the patients in their care is, is, is really the, the strength. You know, right now, uh, in terms of uh, Geisinger Health, uh, we have plenty of research going on in kidney disease. A lot of it is uh, more on the epidemiology side and, um, you know, being able to, again, plug in patients that, uh, you know, some, some patients may have some rare diseases that, um, you know, it's, it's hard to know for all the individual primary care physicians to know about all the different opportunities. Even some, uh, you know, nephrologists may not know about, you know, new clinical trials that are ongoing. And as uh, Dr. Willis was saying, a lot of, a lot of these studies are very hard to recruit patients into. And and so then we, we aren't able to necessarily get the uh, clinical trials uh, with enough evidence to, to keep moving forward. So really, having a better um, uh, way to contact patients with rare diseases and, and more specific conditions uh, will be a, another great strength. Yeah, absolutely. And I have a question for the clinicians in the room. Um, what role do you play in the patient network? How can you invite your patients to join? Yeah, so uh, for um, our Geisinger Health System effort, what we'll, we're going to do is try to contact as many patients with uh, kidney disease as possible, either through um, the patient portal or uh, email um, or mailings. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to have an, uh, uh, a campaign to really 
I'll let our you know, primary care physicians and nephrologists know about what's going on so that they can directly refer patients. Um, so it's really kind of a all hands on deck type of approach where you know, you, you maybe even within the clinic, we'll, we'll have some patient recruiters out there trying to uh, help patients out, you know, navigate the, the website and uh, uh, get registered uh, for the network. And from our experience at Tufts, will be a softer approach than what we we're able to do at Geisinger. Uh, it's ironic because Tufts were the central IRB uh, for all of the institutions, but we're not a formal health system partner. Uh, I presented the the network uh, the day before its national launch to my colleagues uh, as a way to introduce it to them and to let them know that this is an opportunity uh, for us to engage our patients. We've uh, we're going to get some brochures and put them out in our waiting rooms, in our clinic rooms, and we posted it on our, our Facebook page and our, our other social media to try and uh, publicize this to our colleagues and to our patients who may be, uh, may be following us on our social media. Oh, that's fantastic. You mentioned that, you know, Tufts and Geisinger are part of an IRB and you're also involved in some other institutions. What other institutions are you involved in? And do you also plan to expand into other health systems? Well, essentially, we, we are in discussions with several other institutions around the country. Uh, you know, one of our goals is to attract more people of color than, than we have at the moment. You know, Geisinger has many wonderful qualities, but uh, its demographic is, is not actually reflective of, you know, the national, you know, prevalence of kidney disease in various groups. So, um, so we expect that uh, by the end of this year that we will have at least four other health system partners uh, in in various regions of the country. And we're really excited about the response that we've had so far. Great. Oh, this is fantastic. <laughs> well, let's move on to get a patient perspective. Um, I'm curious to hear from Carrie and Curtis. What was your initial reaction to this network? Sure. I was just as a someone who's participated in clinical trials, I was so excited to hear um, that it was coming out. Um, it's always great to hear how the patient voice is being heard and um, how the medical community is responding to that. So that was just super encouraging to hear that this would collect our thoughts and our information and use it for something good. And from my perspective, it was very exciting to know that there's an organization that has a network out here that you can go to to get information, especially in the early stages of uh, kidney disease, when you don't really know as a patient what's going on with your body, what's going on, you know, and how you're going to handle this situation uh, called kidney disease and what's coming up. So I think this network will provide a lot of that and a lot of education that we need uh, as patients, even as we advance through the different stages of kidney disease through dialysis, through transplant, and even post-transplant. Yeah. In your perspective, do you feel that um, this platform is user-friendly for patients who are looking for more information about kidney disease? Uh, I believe it really does. Uh, as I just previously stated, uh, yeah, it 
kind of gives you the educational form from the beginning through all through your stages that will help you. I didn't know anything when I was diagnosed with kidney disease. I didn't have a place to go or anybody really to talk to except my nephrologist who was okay with it, but I needed to know some more in-depth information than what he was giving me. Yeah, absolutely. Talk to me about the importance of peer support as a patient with kidney disease. How does the patient network help patients connect with others? So I think in the times we're living in, (laughs) we all feel some sense of isolation, uh, whether it's, you know, real or just because we're kind of Uh, not seeing the people we're used to seeing. But when you have a disease, that can feel incredibly isolating. And I think it's so important for patients to have that that sense of community and understand that they're, number one, seen and heard and known, right? Because we all as humans need that. But as a patient, it takes that to the next level. So just being a part of that community and knowing that there's someone else that's going through the exact same thing as you or has gone through it and can give you some encouragement, um, that just really helps you feel more uh, part of a community and more, um, you know, less isolated. Yeah, absolutely. And what is your favorite part about the patient network? I think, like as Dr. Willis was mentioning at the beginning about the lack of clinical trials in kidney disease, um, that's important to me. With the disease that I have, it's hereditary. And so now that I know that my oldest child has the same disease, that has taken my desire to advocate for myself and others to the next level. Like I, I had never thought possible that my passion for something could grow just finding out now that it's taken on a new generation in my family. Um, so um, I was just fortunate to be a part of a wonderful clinical trial for the first ever medication for people with PKD, which is what I have. And so I just, I believe so much in science and I believe in information. So I think uh, this could be the tool that brings together people and people's information and um, gives the scientific community what they need to really elevate kidney disease. Yeah, absolutely. Curtis, what's your favorite part about the patient at work? I like the educational part of it where you can just go and get information about issues that are affecting you personally. And uh, that information just can grow. And that's the other part I like about it. It's not just stagnant. It is going to allow to grow as things progress with kidney disease. And we find new trials and find new uh, different possibilities in uh, treatments and stuff. So I'm excited about that. Great. And from a patient perspective, is there any other really important information that we may have not touched upon uh, during this podcast that you think is really important uh, for patients to hear about when it comes to this network? I like the user friendliness of the network. Um, The dashboard for me was really exciting because it's you can just click wherever you want to go and that information is right there for you. So I like uh, the user-friendliness of the network. Absolutely. And to bookend on that, um, the 
surveys and questionnaires that you get from time to time are just another way to kind of grow your voice. And I didn't really even think about that until after doing several. And I thought, hey, I'm giving information to people that need it. And it just kind of helps you remember like to advocate for yourself and to speak up and to share, you know, I feel like we're sometimes we want to hide things that are going on with us and and that's normal, but it's when we are able to open up and be really transparent about our struggles that we can get the help that we need, right? And meet some really great people along the way too. Oh, that's great. Um, Do y'all have any questions you want to ask the experts about the patient network? As someone working in tech and I'm surrounded by people that are very security conscious. <laughs> um, so when we first got started with this, I was curious about the privacy and security of patient information. Can someone just dive in a little bit on how that's kept secure? Uh, yeah, I can speak to that. So um Well, I mean, you've joined the network, so you probably noticed that after answering a a couple of questions, you sign an informed consent. And at that point, uh, you are given a unique identifier number so that um, when you start entering um, your personal health and contact information, um, though the the identifying information is stored in a different part of the platform. So all of the data on the patient network is, is stored in an AWS uh, completely secure cloud-based server. So it's Pulse InfoFrame has the only key that can actually um, connect the patient identifying information with the other health information that you provide to the platform. And I'll also add that even over the short time that we've been working with the uh, data from the feasibility study, we're not even a year up to actually getting uh, data. We've had uh, changes in security. There's there's always more research, more development to how to make it more secure. So our vendor of Pulse InfoFrame has a very secure system and they've been working on this for many years. But when we started talking to Geisinger, the Geisinger security team said, actually, we need more. And, and, uh, and if we talk to more people and more health organizations, there's more questions. And I think this is not, doesn't reflect the inadequacies of our vendor, but more that as, as our abilities to keep data more secure, we continue to enhance it. And uh, as you're, you're probably better aware than, than me, being in the tech world, the European countries have an even more secure system. So as we begin to plan to have a network in Europe, that we're conscious of that. And one of the questions are, do we, how do we integrate that with the U.S.-based system so it, we can still be functional but yet reflect those securities there? So we're, this is a constant evolution, and we have a technology committee that specifically thinks about these issues in an ongoing way. This is not something you can just put in a law cabinet once you sort it out. This is a living, breathing entity that we are continually thinking about and worrying about. That's fantastic. Curtis, do you have any questions for the experts? Uh, yes. As, we're, as we move forward with the network, how can the patient provide more feedback for you guys? 
So one of the surveys that Carrie was mentioning, so, so we do periodically solicit feedback from patients. I don't think that there is right now, but it, it maybe is something we should look into. I don't think there is a place that you can just spontaneously provide feedback. Uh, if you know what I, you know, if you have a particular observation or request, but I may think it's something we should look at, definitely. Yeah, I think that's a really good idea. We There's certainly a, a number you can call. Uh, and I think that if we're getting calls about specific limitations, then that would be a really helpful way for us to listen and consolidate. I'm also hoping that what the network allows is to have more patients engage in the network and in the governance itself. We have all of our committees are multidisciplinary, multi-stakeholder, and include patients in all the committees. But in addition, we have a patient advisory panel uh, specifically, or patient advisory group specifically. And my hope is, is that patients who come to the network who weren't necessarily connected to the National Kidney Foundation, who didn't necessarily know a lot about kidney disease, says, I'm really interested. And I think this is okay, but needs to be better. Can I volunteer? And I think this may be a good road into to having a whole new group of people uh, being activated for their kidney disease. That's fantastic. Any other thoughts? Um, I have one more question, <laughs> if that's okay. As it's growing and as uh, it started out great, where do you see this going in like the next five years or so? Well, I think that, so there are a number of enhancements that we're planning for the platform. And I know, um, I mean, Curtis, you're very interested in education. So uh, the Kidney Pathways, which is the, you know, it's a digital, you know, individualized platform, but we're actually going to take that to the next level. So it will be actually personalized, it will become much more interactive, you know, using sort of some artificial intelligence so that um, it'll be able to respond more to questions that patients have um, and, and kind of follow them in their kidney disease journey. So, you know, we're also going to have things like there will be a newsletter uh, that'll go out, you know, we're, you know, we're hoping, you know, quarterly to all of the patients in the network. And we also, we're really excited about, there is a rare disease kidney patient registry that um, is planning to join forces with us. So um, you could imagine that there will be sort of sub-communities within the larger community of the patient network. And I, so I think ultimately um, what I am hoping for, like maybe in five years, this, our patient network will be regarded as the sort of the primary home for everybody who has kidney disease. And by doing that and getting feedback from that community, that's how we'll continue to evolve. And we're hoping ultimately that we will have up to 50,000 patients in the network uh, so that we'll be able to, uh, we're talking about things like uh, gamification, so ways to encourage people to spend time on the platform and respond to the surveys because, you know, longevity. So, you know, people who are the longtime members of our network will be, will help us do sort of mo more robust observational research. So we have many, many plans. I'm so excited, looking forward to the next phase. Well, that's fantastic. 
Thank you all so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. Um, my last question is, is how can patients join the patient network? Um, is there a website, phone number, or email address that they can use to get in contact with us? You can visit the nkfpatientnetwork.org, or you can call us at 855-NKF-CARES, which is one 855 653-2273 or nkfcares at kidney.org. Awesome. Well, again, thank you all for being here today. And for our listeners, thank you so much for joining us. If you've enjoyed this episode, please tag us on Twitter. Our handle is at NKF. And if you'd like to get in touch with us about this episode or have ideas for future ones, please email us at nkfpodcast at kidney.org. Until next time, everyone, take care.